Okay, so welcome to the EEF Venues Business of Wellbeing podcast. This is a series of three podcast audio blogs that we're creating on behalf of EEF Venues around the business of wellbeing. Um, if you've looked on our news feed and our social media, you will see that um, wellbeing is something that's incredibly important to EEF Venues. Um, it's a subject that we're trying to take forward. We've had a recent roundtable to discuss um, the implications of well-being on businesses, how to manage well-being within a business, how to prove its uh, relevance and its impact on businesses as well. So this is the latest in a series of news articles that we're doing. My name is Alistair Turner. I'm working with EEF Venues on this program. I am joined by Jason Allen Scott. So what we're going to do with um, these podcasts is we're going to do three um, we're working with Jason Allen Scott, who has actually been really supportive of this uh, discussion with EAF venues and, 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 and wellness in general. We're going to roll back the clock to about three weeks ago, where we sat down and brought together some event professionals, some business people that um, are involved in wellness, and we put together a roundtable discussion mm. to talk about the business of wellness. This is kind of where this whole story kicks off, and throughout the next uh, few um, audio files, we're going to take this story forward. So, Jason, you're going to be partner in this little journey yeah, of ours so together. Excited. Why don't you give us a little bit of a, an insight into what that roundtable was and how you came to be involved in it? Um, thank you very much, Alistair. Uh, so I was very thankful for the fact that EAF and yourself had invited me down to talk about the business of wellness. So it wasn't so much just health and wellness and health and well-being, and there's a very different idea of both of those things, but how it affected business and what the business itself was of health and wellness. We also talked, which I really liked, about how it affected the events industry in particular how it affected healthy venues, something that I was quite new to, which I found out about through yourself, um, and just the, the best practices that were used by various people in various positions around the table, whether it was someone in HR, whether it was Mark Stormont from the Stormont, I believe, that's it, which is an academy, no, it's an agency for uh, event performers as well as performers for events. and. I just thought everyone really brought in what their best practice was, but also, more importantly, what the questions were that they thought would lead them to a healthier wellness program. No, that's great. And, and I guess one of the things that we wanted you specifically involved in this conversation was because you have one foot in the events industry, yeah. but also you work with businesses all the time. And I guess one of the reasons why I was interested in your opinion and taking this conversation forward is how you reconcile the two, your job as a business grower and business manager and your role within the events industry and your role with the wellness. How do you kind of tie those three things together for the good of business? <laughs> you ask some tough questions. <laughs> um, I think with business growth, it comes down to something that the founder of Amway said, who said, don't focus on your business, focus on your people, and your people will focus on your business. And people are all about health and well-being. If your staff are healthy, they are productive. If they are healthy, they don't skip days, which means they're in the work more. And it's been proven scientifically that for every healthy worker you have, you get 30% more production value out of them. So that means that you're basically getting a staff member, an extra staff member for every five staff members that you're bringing in. I think that's phenomenal.
So when I go into a business or I'm consulting for a small business or a startup um, or a medium sized at the moment, I immediately start talking to them about their staff before we talk about their bottom line, before we talk about ROI, before we talk about what they're looking to change in the world, what problem they're looking to solve. I say to them, let's talk about company culture. Let's talk about your wellness programs. Let's talk about how are you looking after the people that look after you. And then let's relate that back to data because data is king. You know, what can't be measured can't be managed. Peter Drucker, we talked about this also in your fantastic wellness report. And something that I'm a firm believer of, I think the problem with health and wellness, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, is that it can seem fluffy. It can seem if we all just take a moment, if we breathe in and breathe out, if we sit in a position that holds our core, if we have a standing desk, you know, we, we ticked off some boxes, let's work those 12 hours, let's skip lunch and let's keep on going. And it's not, it's a multifaceted, holistic approach that looks at your sort of mind coaching, your macro coaching, in other words, the food that you're eating. And then, of course, you need to also look at your movement. And that was something that I thought was really important about the way that you brought up the conversations at the round table and about how the venues were set up to create opportunities for movement. That's a really interesting point. And I guess it, it goes on to the crux of what this whole sphere is about. The business of wellness is this idea of wellness needing to justify itself to business. Mm. Or maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. Maybe it's about business needing to understand wellness and interpret it in a different way. And I guess I was interested in how far you felt that conversation goes. Or the kind of, I guess the next step in that dialogue is, yeah. is kind of what we're looking at, you know? I'm from an old philosophy that states, when in doubt, look about. That there is nothing on heaven on earth that hasn't already been made, discussed, researched, and re-engineered, remastered, and put out into the world. And we've never had an easier time to access said knowledge. So instead of us sitting down you know, with our pens and our papers, bashing our heads saying, well, how is the answer to this? Or what is the answer to this? We could actually just go to companies that have been doing this. So I think I might've mentioned this at the table. In 1976, Johnson & Johnson, one of the major companies in the world, already started a health and wellness program. They already understood the importance of having staff that loved what they did. They that spoke to each other, that was free to list their grievances, but also to work in a climate that made them feel comfortable. I also think that Nestle did the same thing, and I believe Nestle will be changing their philosophy from being a confectionery brand to being a health and wellness brand. We'll go from providing you with chocolate delights to permissible treats by saying this much movement will allow this much calorie intake. I think we'll start seeing businesses look at the bottom line of statistics in health as, as well as they do the assets and liabilities and EBITDA. They'll talk to their staff about blood tests to maybe check something like the cortisol levels for stress. They'll talk to their staff about their BMIs, about their, their, their ability to control their blood pressure. We'll have blood pressure testing. All these things are now available on Amazon. So it's never been easier to play Doogie Howser. For those people who are too young to know who Doogie Howser is, he was the youngest doctor on TV history. But I think it is, it is a chance for us. It's also a chance for us to go out and look what has worked. What are the case studies? Who are doing it well? How can we implement it ourselves? Do we need to get our own member of board who's in the company just looking after wellness? The worry with most small businesses is, is it another thing to add to my bottom line? Is it another job? And you know what it's like as a founder. You've got so many hats on. You're doing advertising, marketing, client acquisition, retention, the product, the development, the AdWords, the copyright, the photography. You just, and now, you, oh, now I've got to worry about health and wellness. Now I've got to worry about another thing on my list. 
But the truth is, it's probably one of the easiest things to think about because you can literally start with what's the intrinsic need of every staff member and then what can I do extrinsically to help them get where they need to go because that's going to help me and my company and my vision get where it needs to go. Thanks for that. And I want to draw us back into the events industry now. We are sitting here and we're in the middle of Event Well Week, mm. which is the um, the primary initiative, I think we should call it, that looks at wellness within uh, the UK events market. Um, one of the things that I think that campaign is very good at is drawing out the specific needs of the event industry, the very relevant needs of our industry specifically around wellness. I was wondering whether you could take a view, take us through what you perceive though is. Why is it that wellness is so important right now to event organizers again you, you're killing me with these questions um <laughs> i for, for for six years in a row forbes magazine has voted events the fifth most stressful job in the world and we hear this and we chuckle and we talk about it and we watch our friends have mini breakdowns at the end of every busy season and it's almost a part of our lifestyle and we almost accept it as part of being in events. So I think that's first and foremost, the eccentric nature of it. You know, I break down just after it. I get something called event flu, which is this idea of, you know, cortisol shooting up during an event and then it ends and you're just exhausted. You're done. For many people in venues, it's just after the Christmas season. They'll do a quarter of their annual business in two months, November and December. So for them personally, I think we've all suddenly realized unless we can start having a long career in events, in other words, being healthy for long periods of time, we're not going to create an industry that's as big as it can be, an industry that's recognized in consensus and government and all the other things that other big industries are in. And I think it just recently came out in a survey that the events industry is worth 400 billion pounds. Now, if that is true, then we really do need to look after the provenance of our industry. And I think the second tier of that is how many people do we look after in events? the delegates, the attendants. And if we're not the examples of health, if we're not putting forward opportunities for health and well-being, then we're doing the world a disservice because we're more than people that fulfill your dreams and, and needs or execute your own plans. We're people that can put forward ideas of this food is a better choice. This sustainable product is a better opportunity. This has a smaller eco footprint. Um, we don't need to print off your tickets to come down. We can just scan the barcode. You have a phone. We can do an email direct. There's a million things we can do that few businesses can actually do to affect as much change as the events industry can do. And I think why it's so important right now is because something you said a while back, something about this generation that we're in now who is a little bit more about everything around them as well as something inside of them and events does that better than anyone I, th I think that's a really interesting point as well and, and and i guess my thinking is is there's there's both the opportunity for the events industry to affect large-scale trade uh, change yeah. because of the amount of people we touch every day but there's also about that the responsibility yeah. that we have it's not just yeah. a, an opportunity and i was wondering whether you think that the events industry is also in a unique position because of the amount of people interaction we do to actually lead on a subject like wellness. Do, I feel that we have a certain amount of right yeah. as well as responsibility to do that. Do you have any opinion on that? I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I completely agree. Um, in fact, in a recent quote to World Obesity Federation, I talked about just that. I talked about the fact that we have a role of which we need to stand for, which says, we can make change. We are in a position where we can put it forward. We're in a position where we can execute on it. And that's something else. It's really easy to say, you know what, we should all have 
um, cars that aren't petrol. We should get away from petrol. We should all be in electric cars. That's great and easy. But unless you're Tesla that says, I also have a car to solve this problem, it's really difficult to do that. In events, we can do that. We can say, you know what, we're going to have a standing boardroom as opposed to a seated boardroom in our event meeting space. You know what, instead of having a buffet with sit down, we're going to have multiple food stations and make you walk around the room while you eat. Instead of putting forward plastic cups for everyone that comes in as an outside event, we can actually use glass and just clean it. Or maybe we say, well, you know what, maybe glass isn't the right answer. Why don't we ask them to bring containers in that they can use and reuse event and event? So it's the ability to mention change and then execute on change that I think is is enviable to so many industries because we can do it and we can do it in seconds no matter the size of our event business you can be a small mom and pop event company or you can be a major global event company and say you know what just by putting this forward we can make a difference and then you could have a client like ford do a big car launch you bring up all these ideas and they walk away and go wasn't that a smart idea the fact that even the plates were edible and that it was sustainable and the fact that the honey came from london and the fact that the food came from a london caterer and the eco footprint was tiny why can't we do that at every time we do an event and normally it's the same event planner in different locations around the world now they have a best practice case study that they can put forward to the next event planner who says i've never thought about doing that i'm going to execute the same amount of change and that that ripple that butterfly effect that small stone on a massive lake suddenly makes gigantic ripples through the industries that we touch on every single day as event planners you you set me up perfectly here because one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about was calisthenics Mm. um and i guess in my opinion this is something that again through your um innovation and entrepreneurship is something you're bringing to the events industry i was wondering whether you could just give us a quick update of what calisthenics is but specifically how you think this event is going to uniquely benefit the events industry so i'm doing an event the first one on the 14th of november called the calisthenic games mice edition now the calisthenic games is simply a series of scientific athletic tests that allows you to attain where you are on, if you will, a balance wheel of athletic pillars, stamina, strength, endurance, power, coordination, um, mindful recognition, strategic decision-making, things that we use as athletes, but also things we use in business, things we use in life. And it gives you a, a starting point. Again, what can't be measured can't be managed. And it says, after this test, you know exactly where you stand. You know what your stamina was like, your power was like. You'll know what your coordination, your flexibility, your movement opportunities. And every time you have one of these tests, you'll be able to put yourself against that. And it's a really exciting exercise because it brings everything together. It brings mindfulness it brings understanding of your of yourself both physically and mentally which is what calisthenics is calisthenics is a coaching platform that links you with a macro nutrition coach a coach that looks at your gut and your microbiome and sort of finds out about your internal specific needs a nutritionist that then looks at that and says this is what you should be eating then a physical coach that says okay let's find out what you're trying to do let's find out what you're doing on purpose with purpose and let's also look at your everyday life and that's what calisthenics is. It's defining athleticism so we can teach it and we can test for it. And it's important in the events industry, again, because we deal with stress every single day. We are manipulators of stress. We are crisis managers. And if we can fix the crisis with our clients, then we can fix the crisis of obesity, the crisis of inability to move, the crisis of lack of movement, this this new, you know, sitting is the new smoking. And the Calisthenic Games is a reminder of all these things, this 
old school values of doing something physical. That motion creates emotion. And we're starting with events, again, because of the fact that it can make the most amount of impact before we do it sort of on a worldwide scale. I'm really delighted to, that you've brought this to life. It's, just, it's a theme that I want to return to in our next ones as well. Because I think what I'm really interested about this is this is something you're bringing to businesses. Mm. And I guess the test case of the business of wellness is businesses' adoption and interest in it. And are they ready? Are they not? Yeah. So give us just a little bit of a sneak preview of just how, what sort of level of engagement are you getting at the moment? What sort of challenges are you facing? Are businesses ready to do things? Essentially, well, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's it. I'm so glad you got that right as well. <laughs> it's one of my bugbears. Um, oh, it's the proof is in the pudding. No, it's not. It's in the eating of the pudding. Um, very interesting you say that. Most businesses, and again, I'll always be transparent and honest with you, will say no. It's a great idea. We love it. Yes, we're about our people, but we just can't. We can't put money to something that hasn't got an immediate bottom line, that hasn't got an immediate ROI, especially as a startup or a small business. It's different in a medium size. It's very different in enterprise level. They can immediately see change. What you have to do is follow this new concept of freemium to premium by saying, let's test it. Let's test it with something which is easily measurable. Let's test it with your production team. Let's test it with your programmers, those that sit for 10, 11 hours a day. Let's test it with uh, some event planners that are currently in situ, that are doing site visits and constantly flying or constantly traveling. Let's just deal with that and let's do it over a short period that can affect change. So 12 weeks is our testing program. Give us 12 weeks. If we don't dramatically change, not only your physicality, your mental preparation, but the way in which you see things that is more productive, that has an actual bottom line return to you, then it's done. It's free of charge. It's on us. Totally freemium model. When we go to a small business, we'll do the same thing. And we might say, give us three or four staff members. That's all we ask for. And ask them at the end of it. Don't talk to us. Don't call us back in. Ask them about the coaching platform. Ask them about how we sat and talked about what they were going through and how we could fix it. And also that we weren't looking at one program for everyone, but individual programs for different people. And that has been something that's been monumental because so far we've got a 100% take-up ratio. And you have to show them case studies. You have to show them the axes, the white and case, the companies that have used it and had actual response ratios of saying, our sales are up 380% because our staff is doing 15 minutes of mindfulness in the morning and a three times 10 minute walk schedule throughout the day. I'm really interested in where that continues. And I think over the next the course of the next uh, couple of uh, podcasts that we're going to do, let's keep an eye on that. Because um, I think it's not just about you know, the success of the conference and the, and, and, and the event and, and how that's adopted. I guess it's about expanding the, the conversation throughout mm -hmm. business. So we'll keep an eye on the events industry for a bit, but I'm really interested about where, you, just finally, where you see this conversation with business going, the business of wellness. Have you got any ideas in your mind about where that could go? Um, yes. I think we'll see a major upsurge in the next two years. I think people will jump on the wellness bandwagon, but unfortunately, I think a lot of them will be jumping on because they can find easy to access information which they can regurgitate. They can say things like, stand for four hours is better than sitting for four hours. But what I think will also happen is I think those that show data, those that show case study, 
those that say it's not just about looking at the pretty pictures on my website with testimonials, but actual links to the companies themselves, to actual individual links to social media and LinkedIn, where you can write directly to someone and say, tell me how that affected your sales force. Tell me how that affected your production team. Tell me how that affected your programmers. Tell me how that affected your small shop on the high street. You know, the ability to control your core breathing. Tell me how that affected your ability to stand in a shop and be happy every time someone walked in to go over and offer them something on your line. And I think that's going to be the big separator and segregator. I think the problem with the health industry versus almost any other industry is the fact that a lot of it is based on this kind of before and after marketing gimmicks. And it's really easy to get someone to make a quick change, drop weight, drop water. But the sustainability aspect is incredibly low. So one of the things, again, we believe in as a company of calisthenics is chase progress. Don't chase perfection. Perfection is a momentary glimpse of something. It's progress. If you speak to any great business leader and say, if I could take you straight to the end of your business where you're a success on top of this massive mountain, what do you think it'll be like? Most of them laugh and say, well, it couldn't work like that. It's impossible. And we'd say, why? And they'd say, because you'd get to the top of the mountain to be able to look back at all the hurdles you overcame to get there that makes you a success. To take you straight to the top means there's nothing behind you. I see business jumping on because I think it'll become a fad but I think it'll be the strong businesses with great data, with great case studies, with easy to implement and scale concepts that become winners in the long run. And I think that's something which is very exciting right now, is that maybe Albert Einstein was wrong. Maybe the future isn't where technology supersedes humanity, but where humanity uses technology to bring itself up another step. That's brilliant, thank you so much. And. We're, as EEF venues, we're going to let Jason out into the world to carry this message as, 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 as our very, very, um, we're very delighted to be partnering him in, in terms of a, an ambassador for this message. Jason's going to go away and he's going to speak to some other businesses. We're going to report back. Jason, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for bringing up this fantastic subject. And I look forward to taking on the conversation. Fantastic. And we will report uh, the next podcast, which we look forward to downloading. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. I hope it's felt um, useful. We're always interested in comments. We're always interested in chat. We will pass it to Jason, uh, to the roundtable, to um, the rest of the wider uh, events industry, and, of course, within EEF venues as well. But we thank you for your time. Thank you very much.